America's National Parks podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean. This year, L.L. Bean is joining up with the National Park Foundation, the official nonprofit partner of the National Park Service, to help you find your happy place in an amazing system of more than 400 national parks, including historic and cultural sites, monuments, preserves, lakeshores, and seashores that dot the American landscape, many of which you'll find just a short trip from home. L.L. Bean is proud to be an official partner of the National Park Foundation. Discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com. When I was in grade school, I uh, didn't want to be in grade school. (laughs) And a nun recognized that, and she sent me down with 13 Days of Glory, the story of the Alamo. And uh, she didn't care if I didn't do math. She didn't care about anything. What she wanted me to do is read that book. I read it from back to front a couple times. Yeah, it gave me a sense of, it gave me a sense of, of the history of our city. That's Steve Siggins, a stonemason from San Antonio, Texas. The Alamo is certainly San Antonio's most famous landmark, perhaps even the most famous building in Texas because of its pivotal role in the 1836 Texas Revolution. But the Alamo was built over a century prior as Mission San Antonio de Valero by Spanish settlers on the banks of the San Antonio River. Beginning in 1690, Spanish friars established missions in what is now East Texas as a buffer against the threat of French incursion into Spanish territory from Louisiana. The Alamo is a Texas State Historic Site, but nearby, four sister missions, all still working Catholic churches, are protected by the National Park Service as the San Antonio Missions National Historical Park. And Steve Siggins is their head stonemason. I played in the dirt a lot as a kid. I would build little roads, I would build little dams, you know, stuff like that. So uh, did it surprise me that I got into it? No, not really. I've been a stonemason, working with masonry since I was 17. I had a very good mentor, a very, very good person. He was one of the few that taught me that yelling don't get through to you. Well, the first thing he ever taught me was slow down. He says, you slow down, learn it, then you'll get fast. The second best advice is we were working one day, me and the Southern Mason side by side. And at the end of the day, I looked at him and I said, man, you killed me. And he said, no, you killed yourself. And I said, what do you mean? He says, you're thinking too much. <laughs> second best advice I ever had in my life. He says, you're thinking too much. Let it come natural. And he was right. The four missions Espada, San Juan, San Jose, and Concepcion are in various stages of their original form, and stonemasons like Steve help keep them standing. I started working full-time at the missions in 1995. The most satisfying part of my job is seeing the end result. When I step back and look at the work that I've done, my crew is done, that's, that's the biggest satisfaction knowing that you have saved that for a little more time. That's very important. I've worked at uh, Mission Concepcion, Mission San Jose, Mission Espada, and Mission San Juan. 
and the Alamo. They were all built mostly out of limestone and some sandstone. Yeah, that's a feat coming up here and doing with what they had. Yeah, that was a hell of a feat. And uh, they had probably a couple of priests that are your lead masons. And then they're having to get these guys, teach them how to quarry, teach them how to lay the stone. And those aren't just buildings. Those are something else. Imagine five miles out seeing something like that glowing white on the horizon, you know? He knew you came to civilization. Yeah, what they went through to do that, just to stay alive to build the darn things, you know? It's a good thing that you got guys with guts that are willing to go do it. Those guys Steve was referring to, they were the native people of the area. As the Spanish missions arrived, the Qualtecan people were suffering from disease, famine, and savage attacks from the Apache tribes. The Franciscan friars saw them as easy recruits and offered them a devil's bargain. They could join the mission and be fed and protected, but they would have to give up essential parts of their being, converting to Catholicism and the Spanish way of life. These Indians were frustrated. They were being abused, attacked by Apaches. Apaches would raid them, take their women, their children, and whatever food they had. Historian Robert Garcia. And so when the missions relocate here, for them maybe it was a a new beginning or or it was a, a safe haven for them, but it was a difficult thing for these indigenous people to come into the missions. They were being asked to learn a religion. They had their own native language. The Qualtecans did not believe in violating Mother Earth. So they had to learn and accept farming. And so I sometimes stand back and say to myself, could I have done all that? Life was tough. The missions flourished up until the 1780s, mostly through the work of the Qualtecan people. The Spanish had a caste system that said the further from Spain you were born, the less of a Spanish citizen you were. So it was hard to recruit Spanish settlers. The Qualtecan were essential. They built these places and they are their legacy. Not only the churches, but towering stone walls and arches, defense bastions, grain storage, apartments, an aqueduct that still stands today, the only such structure in the US. Raising livestock also played an important role in mission life. The common lands between the missions were used for grazing. As herds grew, they began intruding into neighboring farmland and common lands and eating the crops. So the livestock was sent to graze further away on ranchos in an area about 20 to 30 miles to the north and south of the missions along both sides of the San Antonio River. Mission Indian men were taught to care for the livestock and became known as the vaqueros. In a twist of the Old West Cowboys and Indians trope, the first real American cowboys were actually Indians. Increasing hostility from the Apache and then the Comanche, coupled with inadequate military support, caused the mission communities to retreat behind the stone walls they built. And the never solved problem of new European diseases reduced their numbers, and the mission slowly declined. In the final years of the 18th century, Spain's interest in the area waned, and support for the missions was eliminated. The five San Antonio missions were secularized, 
and the remaining native converts assimilated with nearby local populations or migrated to Mexico. But the churches lived on, and people lived at the missions for many more years. My name is Estela, Maria, Molina, Uron, Reina, Kears. And I am a descendant of the missions of San Antonio. My great-great-grandmother was a Cohuiltecan Indian born February 23rd, 1826, at Mission Espada. She was actually there, and she was raised there. The Cohuiltecans were here about 11,000 years. Can you imagine? What I admired about my ancestors was their way of just uh, picking up and going. So very nomadic. And most of them were located in the southern part of Texas and the northern part of Mexico. My ancestors worked hard. My ancestors were definitely gentle people, hunter-gatherers. You know, the men would go out and try to hunt for the deer and the rabbits. I mean, whatever they could find. And they would eat the spiders and the ant eggs, worms, lizards, and snakes. They also ate the tuna from the cactus plant and lots of pecans. And this is what I think is so astonishing about this group. If they did not work, they did not get any meals for the, for the day. What my ancestors might have thought when they walked into the missions and seeing this beautiful church and the music that was playing and the shining light as it hit the altar, can you imagine how their hearts must have been beating with anxiety as to what is all of this? So they were changing so much of their culture and their spirituality of the sun, the moon, the waters, the, the calmness of the waters. How did they do it? I felt sorry for them. And I'm not a historian, but reading some of the things that they went through is still unbelievable to me. My grandmother was a curandera, a faith healer a Quahiltecan Indian, true Quahiltecan. She believed in the spirits, oh my goodness, and in healing with herbs and the teas. I remember drinking those wonderful teas and she delivered my two brothers and my sister and myself in the 1940s. My connection with the women, of course, is through my Quahiltecan great-grandmother, who was instrumental in helping me to put together a women's perspective through my grandmother, my mother, myself, and my daughter. I've always been fascinated by the history on men, but there was no history on how the women of the missions interacted with other women that's important to me, and, and how they fed their little babies. What was their daily schedule? The getting up, the going to bed, in between those two, what did they do to keep, to survive, basically? The most intact and original of the five missions is Mission Concepcion. 
it stands today nearly as it did in the 1700s due to the fact that it was built directly on bedrock. The church walls are 45 inches thick. However, only the inside and outside facings are of solid stone. Between the two layers is a filling of small stones and building debris. Robert Garcia again. You have to understand that Mission Concepcion is the oldest unrestored church in the United States. You cannot say that of the other missions. We have photographs of Mission San Jose dating 1905, where it's on the ground. It has been rebuilt. But at Concepcion, this was the church, and it still is the church. You actually are seeing the same walls, the same altar. It's still standing as it was when the first Mass was held here on her feast day of December the 8th of 1755. The San Antonio Missions National Historical Park was established on April 1st, 1983, in partnership with the individual churches still owned by the Archdiocese of San Antonio. Olga Gonzalez is the former administrator of Mission Concepcion. The first time I saw Mission Concepcion, I thought it was so beautiful. It's hard to explain. It's real hard to explain because it's a feeling. It's an emotional feeling that I have for Mission Concepcion. It's like I I love my house as the way I love Mission Concepcion. And I love my house. <laughs> In 1989, they, they closed Mission Concepcion. There was no service. There was no mass, no nothing there at Mission Concepcion. No funerals, nothing. No marriage. They even removed the tabernacle. Uh, Father Landemeyer from St. Cecilia, he knew that I loved Mission Concepcion. So he said, Olga, I'm going to reopen the church. You want to help me to get all the family together back. And you know all the families. So he asked me if I wanted to be in charge of the church. Anything for Mission Concepcion, I'll say yes. Well, I was the administrator. I was the maintenance. I was everything. And he had nobody to help me. Anything that he broke, I had to go and fix it. The rangers used to call me the boss because I had the keys to open all the rooms. I was in charge of Mission Concepcion. I used to do the books. I paid the the priests. I used to get everything for the mass. I used to sweep all the church, mop it, dust it, washing the linens, They used to say, you're so dumb. You don't get paid for your work. I love, I love Mission Concepcion. Not just the building is what it stands for. The first mass was in December the 8th, uh, 1755. I used to sit down at the Mission Concepcion before weddings or before the mass, and say, wow, this is so beautiful. The Indians and the friars, it was their knowledge 
to do the building. Well, I had a car accident on the 11th. I was driving. Uh, my, my daughter died first, and then my father died second. When I went back to the mission, my father was in the, in the coffin. I was administrator from 1998 to 2009, and that's where I told the priest, I can't do it anymore. I don't see very good. I don't walk very good. I have a kidney that is not that good. Uh, every time we pass by, I turn the other way because I don't want to see Mission Concepcion because I'm not there. It's like a part of me died there. I was there just to do a little piece of it. It's like a mother. They clean, they, they make food and everything for their kids. That's how I used to be. I used to be like a little maid there for the people. The San Antonio missions are unique in that they are one of the few national historical sites that still play a major role in the regular lives of the people that call the churches their place of worship, many of whom have descended from the Spanish or from the Native Americans. These buildings, once shining white, adorned with colorful frescoes, carry the whispers of the people who once lived there and who have worshipped there for centuries. This is my time to take care of the missions. I've uh, been given this opportunity to take care of, a, for lack of a better word, national treasure. And uh, to me, it, it's a lot of responsibility. It's imperative that we are as knowledgeable of life in these missions, the successes of the missions, the failures of the missions, and share that with the visitors that come here. My ancestors worked hard. My ancestors suffered a lot. But regardless of the benefits or the disasters like disease, my ancestors were forced into a religion unknown to them. So while Mission Concepcion is beautiful, it stands as a testimony to the great work of the Native American and Coahuiltecans in particular. Something came up over me, and I got more faith. I got more strong in my faith because of Mission Concepcion. The words of Steve Sickens, Robert Garcia, Estella Kearse, and Olga Gonzalez are part of an exhibit at Mission Concepcion by photographer and audio documentarian Michael Nye, who says that national parks connect our past to the present. Sometimes they illuminate natural landscapes, while other times they amplify and honor historical events. Our parks are agreements between generations, symbols of significance, care, and deep reflection. The stories from the San Antonio missions represent divergent and significant points of view 
17th century explorers, Native American groups of the Southwest, early Texas history, Spanish colonization, stonemasons and builders of the missions, battles of opposing interest. There's also the point of view of the land and creeks and pecan trees and the deep blue South Texas skies above. The history of the missions did not end in the 17th, 18th, or 19th century. No. History is energetic and invites present participation in every corner, every room, in every mission. Light grows brighter or dims. New emerging voices and experiences bring life and breath into a larger understanding. Yes, when you visit San Antonio, you should visit the Alamo. But perhaps much more rewarding is a day or two spent touring the grounds of the San Antonio Missions National Historical Park, just 10 minutes south of downtown. The missions are all connected via a trail and parkway system along the San Antonio River that begins with Mission Espada on the south end and culminates in the center of downtown at the Alamo. Entrance is free and the hours are generally from 9am to 5pm daily, but very slightly at the different facilities. The churches are all operating churches, of course, so there may be times on Saturdays and Sundays in particular where the churches are closed for periods. The park's headquarters and visitor center is located at Mission San Jose, where you can see the park film, visit the gift shop, and take a ranger-guided tour. Parking facilities vary at the different sites, especially for large vehicles. RVs and tour buses can park in oversized parking at Mission San Jose, but won't be so lucky at the other missions. This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson. Our many thanks to Michael Nye for loaning us the audio interviews for this episode. You can hear the full audio of the interviews at Mission Concepcion along with his photographs of the interviewees. You can also view the photographs on the National Park Service website. We'll link to that as well as Michael's website in the show notes at nationalparkpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group. If you're interested in RV travel, give us a listen over at the RV Miles podcast. You can also follow Abigail and I as we travel the country in our converted school bus with our three boys at OurWanderingFamily.com. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks.